It's time now for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester, America's premier automotive news and information talk show. Now, here he is, that automotive journalist with the photographic memory, Ken Chester. Welcome to another information-packed hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host and Mopar fanatic, Ken Chester. And I'm going to explain that fanatic part here in a few minutes. I'm going to spend the hour, the entire hour, talking about what's been reported regarding the future of Fiat Chrysler automobiles in the United States, more specifically, the future of Chrysler, Dodge, and yes, even Fiat brands over here. It is an emotional hour for me, as Chrysler is the entire reason I got involved with the automotive industry to begin with. But first, to add your voice to the conversation, all you have to do is call or text me on the Roadworthy Drive line. That number, 872-222-9793. And that number is good anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you would rather reach out to me via email, that address is ken at roadworthydrive.net. Either way, we'll connect you with me and the show. This week, the Roadworthy Drive crew is at full strength and ready to snark. At the controls, the steady hands of my executive producer and good friend, Jack. At mic number two, at long last, is always the sweet and sassy Sasha, prepared with her insights and definitely her opinions. Howdy, my peoples. Hi, Ken. Hello, Ken. And how y'all doing now? Um, I had to play recovery service today. Recovery service? <laughs> yes, I did. I had to go up north and rescue Miss Sasha. Yes. Res- wait a minute, wait a minute. Sasha needed rescuing? Yes. She had automotive trouble. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. An automotive talk show host with automotive trouble. Exactly. <laughs> so I had to go up and get her, and I will be taking her back home when, uh, we, are, when we are done here. Was it a Chrysler? Uh, no, no, actually, it was a Pontiac. What? It's a GM. They don't even make my model it of was, vehicle anymore. And matter of fact, that factory doesn't even exist. No, it does not. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, so we, we've had an interesting Beware day sticks. so far. Yeah, oh, right. by the way, before we go any further, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust you on something. Come on with it. What you got? Mr. Chester is about to have a rogue-worthy hour. The views <laughs> yes, expressed here are strictly his, not ours. We have no idea what is coming. So go on, sir. Wow. Wow. We're skipping by. We're skipping through uh, the parts bin. Yeah, we're not going to do parts bin this hour. No, we're not. Uh, because uh, Chrysler, how could they? Bad they, management. Mm, as recently as 2014, they painted this glorious picture of what Chrysler was going to be—a full line of products, a couple of crossovers, all this stuff. Right now, they're going to take this company that's been around for almost 90 years. Fact about it. Walter Percy Chrysler started out the son of a railroad engineer. In fact, was in railroading in this state. Bought his first car in this state that we live in, about 130 miles from here. Okay. It's how he got into the auto industry. Okay, now hold it for a second. Yeah. Chrysler got in when? 1919? No. When? Oh, heavens. Walter Chrysler bought his first car, a 1907 locomobile. Had it shipped to Old Wine, Iowa. Right. Okay, when he was still the superintendent of motive power for the Chicago Great Western Railroad. Okay, at the time. now the reason why I'm asking what year did he get in the car business was because weren't the Dodge Boys like 
1913? Oh, my goodness. Even before that. All right. Let, let's stop a minute. Let's back up. Okay. The Dodge brothers were actually automotive suppliers of frames and transmissions to the Ford Motor Company. Okay. Henry Ford's third, motor co- third company is the company people know today as the Ford Motor Company. In doing that, because Henry in the early days was short of cash, uh, they got stock. In 1914, the Dodge boys wanted to create their own car. That created a lawsuit with Ford because Ford wouldn't pay dividends and Ford wouldn't buy the stock back because Ford knew that he would be funding a competitor. Mm -hmm. That case went on five years. The court said do it. Henry did. And it's why the Ford Motor Company was private from 1919 to 1956. Now, I did not know that piece of information. So there's that little piece. Okay. Now, here's what happened. Walter Chrysler, in the meanwhile, went from railroads to working for the company of the first car he bought, which, by the way, that locomobile that he had shipped to Old Wine, Iowa, mm-hmm. cost $5,000. He, bar- he had 700 in savings, borrowed 4300 and bought the car. Mm-hmm. Didn't drive it. What? Didn't drive it. Really? Put it in his garage, took it apart, put it back together, took it apart. His wife wondered, you know, when were you going to drive, drive it? this? He put it together. Took it outside, probably got it stuck in the mud. Wow. Yeah. He would go on to work for American Locomobile after that, and then he'd jump over to Buick. He was a vice president at Buick. Okay. Around 1911, 1912. He was personally responsible for upping the volume of Buick cars from 45 a day to over 550 cars a day. Wow. Had a falling out with Billy Durant. Quit about mm, 1919. Tried retirement. I think he was about 40, didn't sit well, and then went to work for Willie's Overland. You know what they paid him in 1920? What? $1 million a year. Wow. 1920. He stayed a year. And it's interesting to note because Willie's Overland would become the company that developed Jeep. So Walt, the company that bore Chrysler's name and the company that, bore the, that produced the Jeep would get together later. More on that a little bit. Meanwhile, this other company that had survived a nasty merger 10 years before was called Maxwell Chalmers. Maxwell Chalmers needed a chief executive. Um, Walter was wanting a company that would bear his name. He took over at uh, Maxwell Chalmers. Uh, They apologized to him. And bear in mind, this is the 1920s. They apologized because they could only pay him $100,000 a year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd still take it, okay? Yeah. Even now. Maxwell Chalmers, he was able to find three engineers, automotive engineers from Stanford. They developed the first Chrysler 6, uh, which was a high-compression, lightweight engine that put out a lot of torque. And, in fact, the first Chrysler wasn't built by the Chrysler Corporation. It was actually built by the Maxwell Chalmers Corporation, and outsold the Maxwell 3 to 1 in 1924 when it came out. Wow. In 1925, Maxwell Chalmers Corporation became the Chrysler Corporation. In 1928, well, I'm sorry, the following year, Walter Chrysler bought uh, the Dodge Brothers Car Company from an investment house Dodge Brothers a few years before having died from influenza. The Dodge Company at that time was five times the size of Chrysler. Not only did he buy it, 
bring it in to the fold. On top of all of that, all of that manufacturing ability, let them bring out Plymouth and DeSoto a couple of years later, right before the Great Depression. But here's the thing. Even after doing all of that in a space of less than 10 years, in the middle of the Depression, even when they introduced the Chrysler Airflow and all of that, which was not well received, but I'd love to get my hands on an Airflow now, Chrysler paid off the notes five years early in the middle of the Depression. Wow. Remember, he bought Dodge five times the size of his company, bought out a brand-new line to Soto, another new line, Plymouth, still made it through the Depression, launched the airflow, which was not well-received at the time, still paid off the notes early. He knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Chrysler would be known for its engines and its engineering. Its manufacturing prowess had its lapses, not so much. But it's interesting to note that in this world of leveraged buyouts, Chrysler got bailed out the first time in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. But guess what? And that wasn't even a bailout. The government put certain sanctions on Chrysler and said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you our AAA rating so that you can borrow money cheaply and do what you got to do. We get the right to dictate to you what you can and cannot do. And if I remember correctly, Mr. Iacocca had to travel commercial. Mm -hmm. Lee didn't like that. No, he didn't. You know what? 1983, Economics Club Detroit. Chrysler did it again. Paid off the notes seven years early. Lee's famous words, we at Chrysler borrow money the old-fashioned way. We pay, pay it, it back. back. Yep. Yep. And I still remember the K-Car commercials. Oh, yeah. You know what? I owned one. Loved my car. I've been to the plant. I've been to the plant where they were made. I watched them build them mm -hmm. in 1981, shortly after they were uh, announced in Newark, Delaware. I've been in the plant where they were actually manufacturing those cars. And, and like I said, I owned one. I loved mine. Uh, they weren't fancy. Not at all. But they got the job done. Yes, they did. And in fact, I would go on to own several of their successor cars and then more about that in a little bit. So here's the question. Coming up next, folks, do Chrysler... Dodge and Fiat have a future. You are listening to Ken Chester on Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthydrive.com is the place to keep up with the latest happenings with Ken and the show. sports car, the exclusive new Packard Caribbean, for those who want the very finest in a sports car. Yes, look it over. It's just what many Americans have long wished for, a perfect combination of distinctive European styling and American comfort and stamina. In action, it reveals amazing responsiveness and tremendous power. The Caribbean is effortless to handle, and just look at its sleek modern lines. Put yourself in this picture, at the wheel of the Caribbean. Think of the pride and pleasure you would enjoy in owning this superb car. 
The Packard Caribbean is now in production on a custom-built, limited-edition basis. See your Packard dealer for early delivery. The Packard Caribbean, one of the eight models of America's new choice in fine cars. Packard. You're tuned to Roadworthy Drive. Thank you for dropping by. I'm Ken Chester. Now, during this hour, I am going completely rogue. Um, We're talking about Fiat Chrysler, the future of Chrysler and Dodge as brands in the United States, in the U.S. market. Um, It's emotional for me because I got into the auto industry. I fell in love with cars because of Chrysler's, because of Plymouth. Fact about it, I even tried to go to work for Chrysler some years ago. Bet you didn't know that, Jack. No, I did not know that. Mm -hmm. I I spent a couple of years trying to go to work for Chrysler. Didn't work, did it? No, unfortunately. Darn. Otherwise, I'd be probably a 30-year employee by now and probably plant manager somewhere, divorced at least once, and nursing probably my third ulcer. But I'd be happy, I think, sort of. Anyway, I want to address the 600-pound bear in the room. Does Chrysler dodge and even, heaven forbid, Fiat have a future? No, no, and yes. And believe me, it pains me to say no on the first two. It is so wrong that my beloved Dodge, it's a no. Fiat is a maybe, possibly, has better chances. Actually, no. If I would think that they, Fiat would have a better chance over in Europe than they would here. Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Let me back up a little bit. If you're wondering why I am all of a sudden all sorts of emotional about FCA all of a sudden, it is because the head of the company uh, had announced their five-year plan. Noticeably absent was any commitment to invest in the Dodge brand, the Chrysler brand, and even to a lesser effect, the Fiat brand. And basically, with the way that they're down now, Chrysler brand only sells the minivan, the minivan hybrid, and a Dodge 300. I'm sorry, the Chrysler 300. Yeah, Dodge 300, Dodge Charger, Chrysler 300, same car. Okay. This is what's weird. The chassis they ride on, a gift for Mercedes when it used to be Daimler Chrysler, 12 years ago. The plant it's built in, uh, that was built in the mid-80s, but it wasn't built by Chrysler. It was built by Renault for American Motors, which Chrysler bought in 1987. Chrysler is not happy with the quality or lack thereof in up there in their plant. So the question I'm wondering is right now, not only do those cars, do they have a future? They're long in the tooth. They have not been really updated in years and it costs hundreds of millions of dollars to update stuff. Can you explain to our listeners what you mean by updating the car? Sheet metal, interior, uh, electronics, Chassis, ride, handling, engine, transmission, millions upon millions of dollars, which is why you don't have that many automakers in the world. You're in it for billions upon billions of dollars. The last time Chrysler developed a brand new engine family about 12 years ago, their V6 line, $724 million. That didn't even include the tooling. That was development cost. The last time they put serious money into the minivan when it used to be called a town and country, that last generation, not the Pacifica, mm-hmm. $2.4 billion. This is Chrysler. This is not General Motors or Ford. This is Chrysler. And didn't Dahmer do that before they sold it? 
The only gift that Daimler gave Chrysler was that rear-wheel drive chassis that the 300, the Challenger, and the Charger ride on. Okay. They all share the same underpinnings. And a platform dictates what a vehicle rides on. The problem is, by nature, these cars have not been updated materially. Oh, they've done some tweaks with sheet metal and things like that. But as far as new updating, ride, handling, uh, maybe a hybrid or something else like that, uh-uh, have not done it in 12 years. That means it's time for big money. Right now, the cars are selling. And they're going to continue to sell them as long as there's orders. But as far as putting the big money in, I don't see it. There were some rumors that they were going to move to an Alfa Romeo chassis. That's been scuttled. Uh, if they're going to rework the existing chassis they're riding on, that's still big money. That's millions and millions of dollars. But the problem is they're not looking. They're not seeing the volumes they need to see to justify the expense. Now, there's been some rumor of maybe a crossover on the uh, Pacifica chassis. But again, where this man is putting the money, and we will talk about this in the next segment, will be Jeep, Ram, Alfa Romeo. And to a lesser extent, the other company they own, Maserati. That's where the money is going. They want to take Jeep sales right now, which is $1.4 million, to $3.5 million in the next five to six years. Okay, and I could, I could probably see that. I have a problem with that because to get there, you need different chassis. You need a, a ramp up. Again, I'm going to save that for the next one because there's some challenges and some problems with that that I'm going to ask that his plan did not address. Um, here's another thing. If you're going to go all there, the only reason why this plan currently works if you're selling Chryslers is because you're also selling Jeeps, Rams, and Dodges. And that consolidation has been going on at Chrysler now for about almost 20 years. You know, the days of standalone Jeep dealers, the days of Chrysler Plymouth dealers, the days of just Dodge dealers are over. Should have known the handwriting was on the wall when they split Ram from Dodge. Because well, yeah. Ram, Ram was, a, it was a model brand of their pickup truck that was still branded a Dodge Ram. In 2009, they took Ram and made it a separate brand on the same footing as Dodge, Chrysler, and Jeep. And you think that hurt Dodge? Oh, absolutely, because right now what's Dodge got? The Dodge Journey, it was new in 2009. They have not spent a penny on that thing. Dodge Durango, it's basically a Jeep Grand Cherokee built in the same plant. So you got that. Uh, in addition, you've got... Uh, uh, Challenger. You've got, yeah, Challenger and Charger. Again, we just talked about those, and they're long in the tooth. All that product that is now branded Dodge is long in the tooth. Sasha, i got a question for you. Would you drive a Ram today if it was given to you? Nope. Why be, wouldn't you be nice? In my defense, I was asked this question. You were. Which is why I'm being silent during this segment. I see. Um, you have some strong opinions, I take it. I do have some very strong opinions. I have a deep love for Dodge. Um, <coughs> I have a deep love for the Ram. And basically right now, the Ram that they put out there, it's subpar. I mean, it's not... We'll, we'll talk about that. Coming up, it's a brighter day for Jeep and Ram brands. This is Roadworthy Drive. You're listening.
listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. This is the downhill side of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester, and this hour has all been about Fiat Chrysler automobiles. Now, full disclosure, I'm all about Chrysler. It's history, it's cars. Heck, for a moment back in the 1970s, yes, I sold new Dodges and owned both Chrysler, Plymouth, and Dodge cars in the past. But that's a story for another time. A little bit more disclosure. Sasha has also been a salesperson for Pentastar Brands in the past. So for us, this is personal. Very personal. Very, very personal. And I thought you should know. You you need to know. So I'm telling you. So if you're wondering why there's an edge to this hour, uh, also because people said, well, I wasn't edgy enough. I was kind of a little little bit robotic and not emotional enough. Well, yeah. How's the emotion doing for you, Sasha? Am I emotional enough now? Am I even close? No. Uh Uh-huh. She... I think she's upset. And, and both of you have done a wonderful job of realizing that this is on radio. <laughs> wow. Radio. No kidding. Uh, yes. That means no cursing, no saying things we're not supposed to. Yeah. Well, you know, we all can't be George Carlin. Uh, no. Absolutely <laughs> not. Okay. Speaking of personal, for those of you who want or need more than your fair share of the road, do check out our website. That's roadworthydrive.com. Discover audio clips of past shows. You want to definitely see the video of this behind-the-scenes show and a lot more. And by the way, if you, haven't already, if you haven't already liked us on Facebook, why not? Stay in touch with what is going on and be the first to know about some of the surprises we're planning for you, our listener, this summer. We're all over social media with Sasha keeping things interesting between shows with her entertaining and insightful posts. For those of you that are truly mobile with an M... Podcasts of our shows are now available on Google Play as well as Blueberry Podcasting. Blueberry spelled P U, I'm sorry, P L U B R R Y Podcasting. It actually is not. That's it is spelled, spelled B as in boy. That's what I said. Mm, pretty sure I, I, thought heard, I P. heard I thought I heard a P. No. I heard P twice. No, no, I said All right. B. B as in B well, in your bonnet. Well, for those of you that heard B or P, it is B L U B. R-R-Y. Podcasting. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I'm glad for that. Okay? Don't miss a moment. Yeah. You can feel the edge in this uh, studio right now. Cut it with a knife. We're just a little bit wound that our beloved brands are going by the wayside. I mean, I've owned Chrysler's. I've been in their plants. I've watched them build these cars. And I've seen the engineering. I've I've talked to the people. Shoot, I've sat in Auburn Hills. I'm sorry, I misspoke. I sat in uh, Highland Park before they moved to Auburn Hills and talked with folks. But then again, I also sat at uh, American Center in Southfield, Michigan, when AMC was still around. So I've met these people. I've talked to them. AMC was an interesting brand. You know, here's, here's an interesting thing for you to consider. Okay. How many companies have owned Jeep? Since its creation. I believe the number is either eight or nine. Seven. Yeah, seven. And okay. number seven. The, and the messed up part, it's quite possible that Jeep will outlive this one, too. Yep. 
as far as I understand, it's the only make in the American auto industry that has survived this long under multitude of owners. You'd be right. Everything from Willys Overland when they started, Mm -hmm. excuse me, to being bought by American Motors in 1970, to American Motors being invested by Renault later in that same decade, to Renault selling their share and Chrysler buying the rest of AMC in 1987. A lot of people may not realize And they that. shut it down in 87, if I remember. No. What year did the AMC go away? 1987, but they didn't shut it down. They carried some of those products as Eagles. If you remember the Jeep Eagle franchises, the early oh, 1990s. Yes, you're right. Yeah. They didn't quite go away. And honestly, um, they carried forward uh, the Jeep, uh, not the Comanche. I'm trying to think of the- Wrangler? Uh, no, the Cherokee, the original Cherokee, built by American Motors, came out. As their first unibodied SUV back in 1984. Chrysler built that all the way up into the early 2000s. The Grand Cherokee was supposed to replace the Cherokee. Mm -hmm. So in 1993, what Chrysler did when the Grand Cherokee came out, they lowered the price of the Cherokee. Figured that, okay, we'll get another couple of years out of it. It'll go away. Smartest thing they ever did. They would build it for another seven years. Like I said, there are times that Chrysler or Jeep has been, you know, out there for dead, and they keep coming back. Well, the companies that own them may have been out for dead, but Jeep's always managed to do well. Here's something that they're looking at. They want to build, right now, right now, Jeep sells profitably 1.4 million vehicles a year. That's today, 2018. Now, what is their lineup today? You had to ask me that. They've got the small Renegade which is made in Italy. they got the Jeep Compass. They're bringing out the all-new Wrangler. They're going to refresh the Cherokee for 2018. They're going to bring out a new thing this year called the Grand Commander. They're going to try this again. They tried a Commander about 10 years ago to be one slot above the Grand Cherokee. didn't really work that well, but they figured the time is right to bring that back. And then you've got the Grand Cherokee. That's today. Now, by 2022, they expect... To sell 3.5 million vehicles. Between all of the models. Yeah, that's just cheap. Okay. Here's my issue. Um, Are the dealers ready for all this? I have no idea. Exactly. Are they ready both in lots and uh, uh, showroom and training and parts and service to take on what is better than double the volume in well, less than five years. Well, also remember one thing. There are two FCA dealers, without counting Fiat, in the town we live in. Mm-hmm. Okay? Both of those dealers are parking inventory on empty office space lots, let's call them. Because they don't have the room on the ground where they're at. And my question becomes... Do they have the ability in both their manufacturing chain and at the dealer level? When Chrysler brought out the LH cars in 1993, they were so revolutionary new that Chrysler had training from all the way down to the dealer, all the way down to the janitor at the dealerships, got training. Because really? these cars were so new, they were going to bring in a new um, uh, customer. If you're going to double plus your volume in the next five to six years. You're going after you gotta millennials. Expand, you got to expand your plant. You got to expand your dealers. You got to train your dealers. 
you got to train your people in the parts and service departments. Mm-hmm. That is some major money they're expecting these independent uh, owners to to spend. Are they ready for it? I don't know. Tesla's got the same problem with the Model 3. You know, you're ramping all this up, but where's the support? Where's the customer support? Parts, service, uh, delivery, all of that at the customer level. This is something that, that uh, Sergio didn't talk about. If you're going to do this kind of thing, and he's on his way, by the way, to 7 million vehicles, Jeep, worldwide. Ford Motor Company didn't sell that many vehicles last year. So he's got some grandiose plans, assuming you don't get hit with a recession or fuel economy issues or anything like that. So we'll see what happens. So when we come back, uh, where do we go from here? (laughs) Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive radio network. is Roadworthy Drive. You've heard of a rogue-worthy moment. This has been a rogue-worthy hour. You're listening to the final segment of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. All during this hour, I've been talking about Fiat Chrysler. History, future, <laughs> my personal feelings on the subject. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I've tried to hold it in. So many great cars, so many awesome memories. And my best friend and a friend of the show uh, for over 50 years, and yes, I do have a friend that I've been friends with for over 50 years. Don Schroth, he had a 69 Chrysler Imperial. And I had my 65 Plymouth Valiant. Uh, the things that we did, that we traveled in Don's Imperial, let's just say we are not going to admit anything even now. Um, yeah, no. The, the, the Chrysler went places. Chrysler did things. Changing a flat in a Chrysler Imperial without the proper tools, yeah, that was an adventure. Didn't that have the fender skirts on it? Uh, you know, it... it I don't remember. I think it may have. Because I know that Oldsmobile 98 that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. That car had fender skirts. Yeah, but the fender Changing skirts. Changing a tire on that thing was, oh, let's just say, very interesting. Uh, fender skirts is the least of the problem when you're dealing with a two and a half to three ton car with a, with a jack. Trying now, to get that thing now, lifted up. Did you have a tripod uh, jack uh-huh. or a uh, bumper jack? Aha. Now, for those of you that don't know what a bumper jack is, back in the 60s and the 70s, which is what most of these cars came with, was what was called a bumper jack. You yeah. put it on the bumper, you cranked it up, you picked the car up. Deadly. One One problem. Mm-hmm. If you didn't chalk the front wheels and that thing rolled, you were dead. Yeah. Yep. And, and besides, those things were incredibly unsafe. Oh, yes, they were. Incredibly. And if you're dealing with a heavy car and you're unspringing the weight... Just because you're lifting up the chassis doesn't mean the wheel's coming up. Yep. Nope. Particularly in a heavy car with a big overhang. You know, I don't know, like a Chrysler Imperial. <laughs> right? Anyway, my beloved 65 Plymouth Valiant, uh, which was my, my Plymouth Valiant 200. It was my first car loan, but my third car. $300 car loan. I paid $7 a week to the credit union 
deducted from my weekly Victory Supermarket paycheck. And I've been in love with my Chryslers ever since. So I was there in the showroom when the first Cordova Two Doors came out. Six years later, newly married, I was down in Florida in the Chrysler Plymouth showroom admiring the first of the Plymouth Reliance that I would eventually own and, in fact, tour the factory. So the big question is, after all it is, where does Fiat Chrysler go from here? Now, well, I, would, uh, I would hope up. Well, that's the thing. The company itself, no debt. The company itself, extremely profitable. The company itself spent about a billion dollars to upgrade their manufacturing capability. But what are they building? They're building Jeeps. They're building Rams. And that's where the money is. However, not without a hitch, Sterling Heights plant, which builds the 2019 Dodge, oh, I'm sorry, Ram 1500. You want to call it Dodge Ram. It's now the Ram, excuse me, uh, 1500. $300 million to fix some uh, factory problems. What kind of factory problems were they having? Uh, they weren't able to ramp up the way they were supposed to, so I'm going to assume it's logistic okay. problems to get stuff straightened out um, because they weren't, making, they weren't hitting the numbers. Okay. And the numbers are where it's all about. Now, back in the day when, it, when Chrysler was in the dark days before Fiat bought them, they were only selling about 2 million vehicles. Um, last year, around the world, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles sold 4.7 million vehicles. That ain't too shabby. No, that's not. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you got to admit, uh, the current chairman really did save the company. Whether you like it or not, you got to give the demand his props. However, Chrysler's still vulnerable because even with all this money they're making, automation, emission control, fuel economy are still, they're lagging, and they're lagging hard. And the way that their product line's going is really not going to solve the problem. Okay, I want to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. If Chrysler would have kept making the Dart, their small vehicle, would that have helped them at all with fuel economy standards or any of that? It could, but profitability would have been a problem. The car was a late comer. I mean, it was a better car than they had in small cars. Mm -hmm. But this is a field that ain't taking no prisoners. Toyota, Honda, Mazda ain't taking no prisoners, not even Ford. They weren't taking prisoners. And GM's product has gotten quite a bit better in recent years. I mean, the, the, new, the new Cruise is a pretty sharp-looking car. It is a very sharp-looking car. You know, and they still can't sell them. All of that, and the cars ain't selling. So the man did, when you have limited resources, you do what you have to do. Do I like it? No. The Chrysler 200, they redesigned one in 2016. They finally got that car right. It was an awesome car. But they didn't learn a lesson that Ford learned 20 years prior with the Contour. It was too small. It was solid. It rode well. It drove nice. But it was too small. When you say small, you're talking about interior room or overall? Interior. That's where it counts. Ford oh. had the same problem with the Contour. Awesome car. No backseat room. Okay, and you're also you're also dealing with then what you thought should have been a smaller trunk. And they needed a larger one. Again, it's a problem. But again, what is he doing? He's getting rewarded on Wall Street because at the end of the day, it's all about the money. However, here's some things to think about. Recession, we're overdue. Two, looming heavy investments in fuel economy, electrification, and autonomy. They're lagging. And they're truck heavy. Which means if the economy zigs or zags, they're done. So I think they're still going to need either a merger partner or investment partner. 
Now, do you think that one of the Chinese companies would buy them strictly strictly for this, I just, just to have the dealer network? I used to think that. But with them converting plants the way they are to, to both uh, RAM and Jeep production, really there won't be an American beachhead for them to walk into to you know bring maybe some smaller cars. And with the current attitude towards imports, that could be a problem. Okay. I'm, I'm not sure it was as, it's attra- as attractive now as it was maybe even six months ago. Okay, so what you're saying is the administration's tariffs are probably going to cause a problem. Uh, yeah. Okay. It, it, the automobile business, whether people like it or not, is global. Yep. We build parts and ship them overseas to be put in vehicles to get shipped back in the same way. And it's not, there's not, it's not clear cut. You know, it's not clear cut. That's an import. That isn't. I mean, by comparison, uh, the Dodge Charger is an import and the Toyota Camry is not. Okay. But the thing you got to remember is you have vehicles being built in this country that have parts from foreign nations. For over two to 3,000 different suppliers around the world. Yep. Um, logistically, that's going to cause a major problem for everybody. So I guess time will tell, and I guess we will see what's going to happen. Uh, one thing, even in the middle of all this, they're looking at creating their own finance company. So they, I don't think they've totally given up. Um, that brings us to the end of this hour. On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive crew, thank you for listening. Mopar no car. You've been listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.